0: I'm Asan, and this is the Friday Show Carabao Cup Review, after City beat Fulham 2-0 at the Etihad, and Brahim Diaz took my performance on yesterday's podcast personally enough to make me eat my words. Uh, joining me on this fine morning, I've got Stee and Howard. Firstly, morning, Stee. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks. Excellent. Mr. Hawking, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. Did you okay. enjoy uh, Brahim making me look a chump?
1: Oh, I always enjoy you being made to look a chump.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, I said I have just got used to it now. It's, yeah. the, the pleasure is diminishing.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and you know what you know what the worst thing is that like it completely overshadowed the fact that I actually predicted the score correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did say it'd be 2-0 and it did turn out to be 2-0 but it, it was a big performance to Real Madrid, wasn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, it's Friday, and it's Friday show, but it's kind of weird playing on a Thursday night, meaning you've got to do a review on a Friday when you kind of want to look back at the week, and it's a big week as well because we beat Spurs on Monday, but we will start by talking about City 2, uh, Fulham nil. Steve, I'm going to start with you. Were you kind of surprised when you saw the strength of both the teams when they were announced?
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I was surprised at both teams. Uh, Fulham put out a pretty strong team. Um, and, and all credit to him as well, because so often we see teams kind of fighting relegation battles uh, who basically just disregard the Carabao Cup. Um, Jukanovic didn't do that. And so, you know, all due credit to him for that. Uh, as regards to City, I was really quite excited by the lineup. Um, the only thing I wasn't sure of is who would play left back and who would play the kind of holding midfield between Sinchenko and Delph um, that side, as soon as I seen that line up, I was like, yeah, we can get at him with this. And and when it's sort of front three as well with Diaz, Jesus and Sané, ah, that's, that's that's really exciting. That is, that's a young trio and, um, can course, a lot of havoc. Uh, and, of course, when you've got Foden in there with De Bruyne. So there's a lot to be excited about uh, and there's a lot to be curious about as well, namely... Um, how fit these players were, because you know there were some players returning from absence, mm. and I'm sure we'll touch on it. But for me, that was the big plus of the night: uh, Danilo, uh, Delf coming back. So you know they've been kind of under the radar, haven't they, for quite a while? These players, and so it was interesting to see um, what impact they can make when they come back in. But all round, um, I was really surprised um, at how strong the lineup was. Okay, um, the thing is, though, I mean it was strong, but it was still.
1: I'm pretty sure it was 10 changes from our previous match.
0: Yeah, I so mean... It our, just it
1: really, really just shows the depth now of this squad. Is, yeah. So there's two teams we can put out, essentially. You know, two different teams that would compete against, I don't know, you know a side easily in fifth and sixth of the table.
0: No doubt Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Um, Howard, uh, bearing in mind the strength of the Fulham team and what we discussed yesterday in terms of you speaking to a Fulham fan who said that they had no concerns about Jokanovic and how it was just about the players getting used to the system. Mm. Do you think that might be the argument for why he's picked more or less the same players that play in the Premier League? Because he is trying to get some consistency. And the second part of that is, did you see anything in the performance? Before we talk about City's performance, just looking at it from a Fulham perspective... What did impress you, and did you do? You feel like there's green shoots of recovery, so to speak? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> really? No. Interesting.
1: Well, oh, well, St- St- Steele, I've an answer afterwards because I'm, I'm guessing he saw more than me. Uh, <laughs> fir- well, firstly, that yeah, that blog. I said one of the questions I asked two fans, and one I said, "What team should he put out against City?" One said, "Weak," and the second one said, uh, "Robert," I think it was that said. No, he should put out a good side because they need to play themselves into form. So exactly what you're suggesting there, eh, Sam? Uh, and I guess that's, that was his thinking, that the more they play together, the more you gradually get you know, them understanding the system. Uh, did I see much? No, I thought... I've always said there's a lack of intensity in these games and I don't think City were playing anywhere near 100%. And if they were, they would have got eight or nine. But then again, Fulham probably weren't because teams just don't have that intensity in the Carabao Cup. It's just done at a slightly lower level. But I thought they could have been ripped apart in defence again, out wide. I just felt it was so easy to get out out wide. I wasn't that impressed with anything. You know, they never had to go. at us. They never got close to our, to our, to our goal. On a couple of occasions, just glimmers of an attack. So, not really. They're neat. They play the ball. They've got good ball control. You know, they're skillful, nice-to-watch players. But, personally, I didn't see a lot there that immediately tells me that they're going to pull this round. But the huge, ca- the huge caveat for me is it's the Carabao Cup, so I wouldn't really be making sweeping conclusions
0: from a match in this competition. No, that's fair enough. Um Steve, before I kind of chime in what how did you what did you make of Fulham?
2: I was relatively impressed by him to be honest I, I agree that they didn't have much impact in the final third but beyond that their problems you know lie at the back uh, and kind of said afterwards that they showed a lot more quality and a lot more organization back there yeah. than they had in previous weeks and I think that was you know evident from yeah I don't agree with how it, that they could be got at uh, particularly out wide. But right now, again, it's not out wide where experiencing problems. It is just you know in central areas, um, and getting the numbers there and getting the positions right. I mean, how often did we see um, decent deliveries from De Bruyne, for example? You know, cut out. You know, positionally wise, they they were really well organized. That numbers in the middle, yeah. So Jesus as well. He had a lot, lot
1: of uh, lack of options because of the numbers when yeah. he broke through. So yeah.
0: I do do agree with that. Yeah, there was some. But don't you also think that if you look at the performance of Leroy and and Diaz outside of the two goals that Diaz scores, I mean, they both struggled to really get past their men. I mean, unless you're... uh, The the way I saw it at at half-time, I kind of felt like that our, our attack in three had been pretty well nullified by Fulham. I didn't really feel like we were... Like I'd, I, don't know. It's it's weird that you think that we had that they were so open down the wings because for me I thought that that's one of the things that they did quite well was shut Leroy and and uh, and Diaz down and be quite aggressive and also be smart in terms of their positioning to not leave those channels open that City like to to use to get those low crosses into the box or even the floated crosses. Um, Steve, did you did you? See that, or did you? No, think that I I I disagree.
2: To be honest, I I think um like, for one thing I was fascinated by Diaz v Cessignon. I mean that was just a great battle in itself. I love watching that. I would I would say I know that Diaz scored twice, of course, but I would put that down as a score draw in regards to the actual their personal duel. Yeah. Um, but in terms of getting into the channels, I thought City were cutting them open pretty easily, particularly down that right flank and particularly in the first half. I mean, how often did the ball? You know, float over to Diaz, Sesame Yang goes over to do his job and close him down, but no one picked up to Bruyne going into the kind of the inner channel there. Um so that was that's on the that's on the midfield, that is, that's on the, the Fulham midfield not doing their job correctly. Cash um, out. But yeah, the actual defence itself, the actual back four, um or back five includes that you know, holding midfielder, I thought they did a really good job.
0: Mm. Um I was that's, really impressed by sorry, I'll just um, say
2: if I was a Fulham fan, I won't come away thinking
1: yeah, we did pretty well there. I'd be like, you know, when you don't even get close to the opposition goal, I don't. I don't. They had the numbers in the middle, but I, honestly, I don't think they were <laughs> that good whatsoever. To be honest.
2: Well, I, I well, I kind of you know, I, I, I'm talking here as if I'm kind of going to one extreme. I'm not really. I'm going down the middle. I'm, I'm basically agreeing with what Asan yeah. alluded to, which is there was green shoot of recovery there for me.
0: Mm, and also, like I. I i take your point, Howard, but to be honest, who's laid a glove on us? Like, who Who yeah. does? Like, you know, the, one of the things that really struck me about last night was just how strange it is when there was a moment where they had a break which led to a tame shot which Murich saved. And the City goalkeeper facing a shot just felt like a really... <laughs> Odd thing, do you know what I mean? It was just a yeah. bit like, oh wow, okay. So you can actually at a certain point, if you you know, pass the ball well and if we miss a couple of tackles, you can get yourself in a position where you can have a long range effort that our goalkeeper will smother quite easily, but it'll count as a shot on target. And causing the man sat behind me to explode with rage. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did he blame sir the of letting him space <laughs> to have a shot? But I mean, Gary Neville said that last week after the Tottenham game, where now we're looking at a City team where any opposition, whoever they are, is going to get, you know, two, at most three half chances. And the beauty about that is when that becomes established in the mindset of, you know, every player who comes to the Etihad, panic's going to set in. When they do get those half chances, when they do find themselves in space, they're so, for one thing, they're so unused to that happening within a space of that ninety minutes. But nothing, they know they have to make it count, and, oh, and yeah. you know panic's going to accompany that, isn't it? All the start
0: taking pot shots. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so neither of you. Well, we're 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 in the middle on the uh, on the Fulham performance. I do think there are. I did. I did feel, I've seen extended highlights and I think I've seen two full 90 minutes or three full 90 minutes of Fulham outside of last night and they were better for me defensively in terms of their organisation. I mean, they, I've really seen teams rip them apart. Do you know what I mean? Cardiff scored four goals against them yeah. unless I'm mistaken which almost sure. tells you everything you need to know about how well they defended on that day and I think in comparison to that they kept You know, Leroy Sane, Brian Diaz, Gabriel Jesus, quieter than I expected them to.
2: And and crucially as well, they didn't just put 10 men behind the ball. So, you know, we're talking here about a team who have been hemorrhaging goals. Um, They they go to the Etihad against, you know, the best team in Europe for me right now. And they didn't put 10 men behind the ball, even with all that as context. Um, Mm -hmm. And they come out of it, for me... Looking at you know more solid than they have in previous weeks, so they've obviously done something right there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
2: think with the defensive side, it's it's not just organisation. Teams like this, it's
1: mistakes. That's what one does. You know, mistake after mistake after mistake. And to the credit, yeah, there were better. There were no glaring errors or mistakes or you know just handing the ball in front of goal to one of our players. Yeah, passing across to them. So in that respect, it was definitely an improvement. It's not the organisation you need to stop making stupid mistakes at crucial times in games. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk first about City's performance overall because I suspect that Howard's going to disagree with me quite <laughs> angrily. So, um, I felt as though last night... I mean, we're slowly we're getting better again this season. And, you know, you, you don't really want to... I'm running out of ways to talk about the work that Guardiola's done, but last night what really struck me is we're now at a stage where that was effectively our shadow eleven. Yeah. That's our reserve side. Um and for me, the quality of the performance overall, in terms of the the tempo, the passing, the movement, just the you know, the voracious appetite to win the ball back when we lose the ball, keep the ball, make the opposition suffer as much as we can. is just incredible. Really, really, really is. It, it blew me away. And I, I kind of dispute what I would tell a little bit earlier about how it kind of felt like a league cup game really didn't feel like a league cup game to me. It felt like looking at it from a city point of view, that was no different to most Premier League games in that we dominated we played with yeah we we just played with bravery we played with hunger we you know we did everything that you'd expect the best 11 to do and that's for me more important than winning more important than anything else is the fact that you look at those 11 and go that was the shadow team yeah a lot of those players coming back from injury and they've played at a level that has felt like the best Premier League eleven? How would dispute me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you make a good argument there. I'm, I'm beginning to doubt myself. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I talk about a tail off in the League Cup, I'm talking like two percent or something. But that's the level, you know. When you tail off at two percent, say in a League game, you could get punished because these are the levels that people, you know, coaches like Pep Guardiola operate at. And you can say, I think it's still against Spurs where you just don't have... You know, when you have a, a pitch that doesn't do what you, you want it to, that the chaos it can cause. Uh, maybe it's just being in the ground and the atmosphere and, you know, it's not a bad atmosphere. It's okay because people aren't stressed or... Well, the guy behind me seems to be very stressed, but, yeah, there's always someone behind you <laughs> moaning about everything. That's just the matchday experience. Uh, yeah, I... I i i can't say that the tempo is the same as a big game in a big you know in a league or champions league or something like that, but i can't dispute it either that the fact that you make ten changes i don't expect that to happen and I agree with you that the the general the general uh, links between, you know the way the methods of the domination that are you know, say our first team in speech marks, have in a big game I agree with, they were there in that game there was very little difference in that respect the philosophy is there, the style is there, it's the same all I'm really saying is there's just, I still think it feels a tad more casual having said that I do agree, the level against Fulham was definitely better than any of the performances last season so yeah, I think Pep is seeping through even more into like a game of this caliber. So I'm not totally disputing that, but it just I don't know maybe it seeps down from the stands because the intensity is not there in the stands either. Yeah. When you're in a ground, I mean, you know, you're looking at an empty tier, obviously. As every club has had an empty tier I think in this round. Uh yeah, it just feels a bit different. The atmosphere is different. It's a bit more relaxed. It feels pre a bit pre-seasonish in a way. Uh you know, the Celebrating the goals is different. Just everything's a little bit different. But I can't disagree in some respects because they dominated the games exactly the same way that, yeah, that they would in a, a League or Champions League game, or you'd hope they would in a Champions League game.
0: Mm. Steve, what? where do you sit on on my um, praise of, of the B team last night? I'm I'm with you all the way. I, I also agree with Howard because kind of
2: you know, both aspects can be kind of valid really. You know, of course because it's a League Cup game, there's gonna have a different atmosphere, it's gonna have a different tempo. But within that, then the template is just it's laid down now, isn't it, throughout the squad. It's not, you know, the first eleven, it's the squad plays exactly that way, to that intensity, to that kind of ability, um, and it was on display last night. And what really impressed me more than anything, and what really excited me more than anything, and encouraged me more than anything, was the comfort in which, as you described, in, you know, the shadow team played that way last night. It, there was no kind of um, you know, hesitation, there was no uncertainty, there was just ease. They felt at ease. I mean, you look at uh, the youngsters in particular, Diaz Foden. Oh that was brilliant to see. I mean understandably, you know when you're a young lad trying to break into this Manchester City team, you're under a lot of pressure to perform and understandably, you know, just the mere fact that you are 17, 18, 19 playing in front of what, you know, 54,000 people in a league in, in a league game coming on in the 80th minute, nerves are going to be there. Um and we've seen that up to this point. Very good performances from both lads. But, you know, we've seen nerves accompanying those performances. I didn't see any of that last night. They just played their game. We looked free. We looked, you know, casual. And they looked at ease. Um, And so that was really encouraging for me.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Are we reaching a stage, Steve, where we're kind of transcending individuals and it really, like, the the work that Guardiola's done has... Is pushing us to this point where we're a machine with interchangeable parts, where no individual part is as important as the collective, and it doesn't really matter who you swap in and who you swap out because the system, the positional play is so well drilled now that we don't, you know, you can drop Vinny in, you can drop Delph in, drop Danilo in. Drop Diaz in, drop phone. It doesn't matter who you drop in, you're seeing the same outcome game in, game out.
2: Yeah, I would say so to kind of, you know, 90% and that other 10% are variables that you cannot do anything about. You know, you can't just replace Sane because of what Sane provides and the yeah. type of player he is. Uh, you know, Mendy, you have to adapt your strategy, your entire strategy going into a game, if you're going to start with Benjamin Mendy because of what his strengths are and where his weaknesses lie. So, um, but up to that 90%, absolutely. There is Like I say, a template has been laid down and every player in that 24 or you know, 25, know, they're comfortable with that. They know exactly what's expected of them, yeah. um, and, and that is a huge strength going forward. Um, we've seen it kind of last season throughout maybe two thirds of a team. I, I thought I thought last season we saw it uh, in the centre back positions. As you say, you could drop Otamendi in there, you could drop company, and they played the same way they knew what they had to do. Now we're seeing it throughout the entire team. As illustrated last night, I think last night was by far and away the best illustration of this to this point. Um and bear in mind we we're, we're only in the start of November and we've got another, you know, what is it, kind of six, seven months left of the season. And this is going to get better and better and better. And bear in mind too that we're in, competing, in, you know, in four competitions. So we're going to need to employ our squad going forward.
0: It's it's a huge boon. It's massive. Mm. Yeah, I'd absolutely go along with that. Um, Howard, just do you want to chime in very quickly on this kind of the collective versus the individual and how? Yeah, just how we're shaping up within the context of that and whether it is becoming... We are becoming truly, truly greater than the sum of our parts, regardless of what the eleven is that we put out.
1: Uh, No, not really. (laughs) I mean, I totally agree with you. Yeah, so that's all I can say, really. Yes, I think so. Okay. I mean, just the fact that I said this was a better performance than any of the League Cup matches last season... I think tells you it's not a different attitude. It's ten changes to the team from the previous game, and yeah, the style is the same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think so. I think I won't say we're totally there yet, but that's that's the essential. When you know when we started pursuing Pep, this was the end game in a way. Yeah, yeah. this was like the Barcelona type setup where under eights or under twelves or everyone's playing the same style.
0: Throughout the age groups, and it. I just matter. didn't think we'd. I didn't think we'd get here uh, quite this quickly. I mean, yeah. I, other people yeah. will disagree, but I think we now look like one of the things over the last couple of weeks, watching the performances and and reflecting back to the end of last season, we're at the. I don't. For me, we're at the level of 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 his Bayern Munich team. You know, we're at the level of his Barcelona team. We just don't have Messi. We play football. With the same tempo, we you've seen the way the players, you know, tactical hard drives have been completely reprogrammed and now look at how interchangeable they are. Look at how, you know, Benjamin Mendy pops up in centre midfield next to Fernandinho and nobody bats an eyelid. The front three are constantly rotating and nobody bats an eyelid. you centre-back to stepping into midfield and playing like playmakers and nobody bats an eyelid. And if you go back two years to Pep's first season in charge and think about all of the problems that we had and, you know, so many conversations about whether Pep was asking too much of the players, whether the players were good enough, whether he was going to have to buy a bunch of new players because players weren't smart enough to adapt to what he was asking them to do. Yeah, I mean... I think we've come a hell of a long way. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk about some individuals. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you. You said that you wanted to take the floor on on Gabby Jesus, so take mm-hmm. the floor on Gabby Jesus.
2: Well, I think we can go back to um, the ten minute cameo, uh, sorry, the half hour cameo at Anfield, uh, and then him scoring in uh, a subsequent international friendly for Brazil. I think we, he's back. I think we're seeing him back now. But what the lad needs is to get on a score sheet. And so I'm kind of approaching this from both sides. It, it's unfair to kind of make a lot of a fact that he's not scoring. Um, and it is always unfair to to, to damn a striker uh, in that regard. But ultimately, that's his, that's his game. That's what he's there for. Uh, and ultimately, too, he boasted a phenomenal kind of prolific... Uh, strike rate up until you know uh, a stage of, of last season, so that is a concern. That is a talking point. It's a legitimate discussion to be had there. But that aside, because surely the goals will come. He's back. It's it's fantastic to see. There's a confidence to him. He's taking players on. He's getting in the right positions. He had eight shots last night. He never stopped. He never hid. Um, there's never been any questioning his work rate. Um, but now. In addition to that, is that confident kind of player that we used to see or you know, when, when he first joined? So uh, I'm delighted at that. I just really, really hope the goals come. Uh, if someone said to me now, you know, who would you, if you could bestow some goals on a player throughout the squad, it, it, I'd give them all to Jesus right now. He needs a lot. <laughs> yeah, I
0: understand that. Um, Howard, do you think goals, I mean, uh, he deserved the goal last night for his performance. But when he performs like that, is it important that he scores? Because, or do you think that he does enough to create space and create so many opportunities for others that it almost, you know, it's not as important that he scores if he's putting in performances yeah. like that. Well, it's not the be all and end
1: all, but at the end of the day, it'd be good for him. Yeah, it will get people off his back because he is a forward player. If he keep, <clears throat> yeah, if he plays that well for thirty games do not score a single goal, and we win every thir- all 30 games, then no, it didn't matter, essentially. But questions will still be asked of him, because he's a forward who didn't score in 30 games. Uh, whether that matters to him, I don't know, or Pep, is a different question, they might not care, because it's, it is a team game, it's about the collective, and if we win a game 2-0, if he scores a goal, if the keeper doesn't save his shot, and it goes straight in rather than Diaz, it makes a little difference. We're still 2-0 up. Yeah. But I do think that. Yeah, he seems to have got his mojo back. So at the moment the goals don't matter. But I think it will help him really to start getting some goals as well. Yeah, I know i got go yeah, along with that. And it's a more a personal thing for his development. Mm-hmm. As for the team, no, it does not as someone scores. It matters not
2: who it is. So. Yeah. What I've noticed as well is we're not dragging um centre backs out of those central areas as much as we were. So I'm you know, other people on this pod are far better positioned to kind of analyze as to why that is. But just from my kind of naked eye, I'm I'm seeing less of those opportunities fall to people in central areas. It seems to be where where we are creating space and dragging the opposition across, it's creating space for like let's say Sane or Mores or or people kind of, you know, at a far post now, as opposed to central. Last season, so often, you know, we, we kind of disorientated teams to such an extent where we would find Sterling or we'd find Jesus or we'd find Aguero, just with yards of space and just know, the goal at his mercy.
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, opposition teams have just got wise to the way Possibly, we play. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, uh, as, I think I, as I tweeted it at the end of the first half, like, the something that's really important if you're going to play against this city team is to be well organized and to make sure that everybody knows that we like to, you know, we like to move it from one side to the other quickly, get the, uh, get the winger in quickly. Yeah. And get that low cross for the tap in. That's the kind of classic city goal with the through ball. So you have to cut off those crossing lanes and those passing lanes. And you have to make sure that you've got loads of men back in the box to, to stop the goals like that. And and I think opposition teams are getting wise, but I think we've shown different ways of of unlocking teams this season that shows that we don't just score that that one kind of goal, if that makes sense. Um, One thing, do you think with Jesus, the fact that he's kind of I mean, it's a question that uh, Edward Hayes asked on Twitter, and I think it's a fair question, right? Because I thought his performance last night was was visibly better, yeah? He was visibly taking more risks and being more proactive and, you know, just – I don't want to say hungrier, but there was – that added bit of edge and spark to his game. Uh, Edward Hayes asked on Twitter, which I think is a fair question, do you think that the performance has come as a reaction to his almost reduced importance this season? And therefore, he has a pressure that was similar to when he first arrived at City, where he just has to perform because of the competition ahead of him. Whereas maybe the kind of the middle part where it feels like he usurps Aguero maybe at a young age not that you can become complacent but just that the the hunger drops just a little bit Howard what do you reckon? Am I not, well I'm not sure It's oh
1: I don't know <laughs> 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 the, the honest answer uh, well I'd say the answer might be right but for a different reason it might not be hunger it's pressure I, I did say when we discussed him previously uh, when he wasn't playing that well that we needed to take a step back that this I was, you know, in Brazil, he's he's seen as the future of the national team and and he's seen here as, you know, he's going to be a world star. And what we were seeing didn't quite equate, you know, just a young developing player didn't equate with the hype, so to speak, and that we need to take a step back and stop putting pressure on him. So for me, I think now that he's not seen as that and yeah, and had a bit of, you know, had this in different form and isn't in the spotlight as much, in getting picked as much, Maybe that just drives him on a bit more. But maybe the pressure's off him more, not just hunger, but pressure that allows him to play football without everyone expecting the world of him. Yeah. Uh and but there's I I still don't know. Because there's other factors. It's about him settling you know, I said perhaps his friends have gone back to Brazil. It's settling in a country and maybe he's just a bit more settled now and the longer he's here the more relaxed he is about being in the country. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. But I do think, person, my personal view, and it's just speculation on my part, is that what would help him more? Yeah, is not not having any weight on his shoulders. Just let him yeah. accept that he is a young, developing player, and just see where it takes us. And it helps that Aguero signed an extension because the thought was that he has to get he has to get to the top of his game by the time Aguero leaves. Otherwise, we're delving deeply into the transfer market again.
0: Uh, but now he's got longer to do that. So, Steve, do you think it's already um, too much pressure and a little bit unfair to expect Jesus to be the guy if anything happens to Aguero? You see the point I'm making that, you know, uh, are we maybe asking a tiny bit too much of him? Or do you think he needs that pressure? That needs that pressure to elevate himself to become the world-class player that we know he can become.
2: Well, I mean, firstly, as Howard said, this is interpretive. This is entirely, entirely speculation. Obviously, you know, none of us know know Balad, but my take on it just from kind of seeing him, seeing him in interviews, just kind of, you know, just my, my kind of gauging of the situation is that he wants that pressure. He wants to be the main man. He wants kind of the hype put on him and he wants people to, you know, kind of talk about him and he wants to, um, match that expectation, um, where he's kind of let himself down and like it's completely the wrong expression, but where he's kind of fallen short, I guess is two things. One you know, the injuries cannot be overlooked because the after effects of that really messed with him psychologically, uh, by his own admission, they did as well. And so even though to our minds as, as fans, we're thinking, well, that was last season. That was ages ago. In reality, you know, that lingered with him. Um, and that's gone now. You can see that's gone now. He's, he's kind of flying into challenges now, kind of, you know, hundred percent commitment and, and free of any kind of doubt. Um, And what that kind of lingering doubts brought with it as well is, was just kind of an inability to, to to match the standard in which he is in his head. So that messes with your head too. You know, If, if you go into any job and you think I am brilliant at doing this job and then you're not brilliant on one day, fair enough. If you're not brilliant on kind of, you know, six, seven, eight consecutive days, you start to really doubt yourself. So I think that's a factor too. Um, and it, I don't know why, uh, and how it's brought some, some possibilities which are all, you know, very feasible. Um, but something's happened, in, possibly in his personal life now, where he's shed all that. He's, he's, he's let all that go. Um, and, yeah, what we want is, you know, I, I, you, you want five minutes with him, don't you? You want five minutes and say, look, you know, if I may speak on behalf of an entire fan base here, <laughs> we don't see you as, you know, Aguero Mark II, We see you as Gabriel Jesus. And what we love about you is the fact that when you arrived, you played carefree football. You are a Brazilian. You loved football. So just get on a pitch and just love your football again. And if it comes off, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because we just want to see you just enjoy yourself. Because if he does enjoy himself, oh, my God, that lad's got talent. Absolutely. And that will just come
0: through and match that enjoyment. I think that... um it's no coincidence that his best mate, Higor landed back in the country two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And we're beginning to see Gabby kind of find that vitality in his performances. Again, I think it, it must be hard. He's one of the things that I don't think we really realize is the speed of his, ascent yeah, yeah, within yeah. football because he's not like, you know, he's not necessarily a lad who from 11, 12, 13 years old was being primed to be a international footballing superstar. It's kind of happened very quickly for him. One full season at Palmeiras, I think, win the, the, the was it the Copa Libertadores or whatever it mm. was that they won and then come immediately to Manchester, get dropped into City, straight into the first team. You've usurped Sergio Aguero suddenly, So much has happened in such a short space of time. And then he's in Manchester. His best friends were here, had to go back. Visas weren't given for them to come back. Suddenly, you're really alone. I'm not saying that, you know, it's not that's the life of a footballer, but I think that there's a lot around a lad that age um, where you can see why there would be peaks and troughs within their performances. Um, and actually it's a good moment because I want to contrast that with uh, another performance before Before we talk about Diaz we will talk about Diaz and Foden but very quickly I want to talk about Leroy um, Howard what did you make of his performance last night? Yeah he split
1: the fans uh, I mean let me just read the stats out because I don't think they really tell the a, a full story Uh let me guess I haven't got them now, but he created, <laughs> I think he created 11 uh, key chances, which was the same as the rest of City team, more than the whole of Fulham. Uh, so the stats look amazing, you know, like he's literally at the heart of everything. Yeah, 11, Fulham created five, the whole chance, uh, the whole game, Fulham created five chances, Leroy, set up 11 chances himself, so, and yet, you know, if you look at, it was just such an up-and-down performance for me. It, I don't know, maybe it was a Carabao Cup performance. Mm. Uh, you know, it was a bad miss. There was sloppy play. But there was also brilliant jinx. He was clearly at the heart of our attacking football. He did create chances. Uh, you know, just look at the, his role in that second goal. And it was just a very
0: mixed bag for me.
1: Mm.
0: Um, Do you, is that fair or...? I just, I, i for all the talent, uh, Leroy's attitude stinks sometimes for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, he doesn't apply himself anywhere near close to the levels of somebody like Sterling. There's a reason why Sterling is miles ahead of Leroy in Pep's thinking and in terms of the importance to this city side. And it's got nothing to do with ability because Leroy Sané has got all the talent that Raheem Sterling has, but he hasn't got anywhere near the mentality right now. I think that, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, he, he, he drives me mad, not because he doesn't do good things. He drives me mad because he can do so much more. He's got, you know... He's really, I feel as though he's got Ronaldo levels of talent and he's got the physique at such a young age. He's big, he's strong, he's quick, technical ability, agile, everything. And yet you just feel like he spends far too much time with his hands on his hips, you know, slowly walking back because he's been tackled and you're just going, what, you know, you, you, you can't play like that under Pep. There's a reason why. You're spending as much time as you're spending on the bench. And it isn't to do with your talents, the way you apply yourself. And a moment, a game like last night is the kind of game which really isn't going to do him any favours, in my opinion, because the stats can say what they like. But Guardiola will look at that performance and go, no, if you don't give 100% over 90 minutes, if you're going to. You know, be half arsed because you don't like it. Up, oh, you are fossumenser. Well, that's not going to fly because that's the Premier League. Every week you're going to have fullbacks. You play for Man City. You're a target. Accept it. You're a wide forward. You're a target for the fullbacks. They're going to come at you, and you have to be ready. You got to be. You got to be prepared for that. And I think that you know, if you, I don't know, he frustrates me. Really frustrates me just, because I've... just wonder if he enjoys on. playing time, You know.
1: I, I, I don't want to go over the top and make sweeping conclusions on, you know on how much someone smiles or something because everyone's different. Uh, but yeah, it's just like little things, like a celebration of a goal, he just walks back to you know, someone else scoring perhaps, and he just walks back and you think, does he truly? You know, is he truly enjoying this? Or I don't know. I, it's just
0: I know exactly what you mean, Howard. I'm I'm completely there. I, I just he. D- again like you know we'll get loads of stick because it's that classic thing of like yeah. you're a body language expert <laughs> Yeah, like, exactly that's yeah, why okay. I'm
1: saying it with a yeah. a huge uh, asterisk next to it you know, exactly caveat, but whatever.
0: I don't know I don't live inside his head so I can only go off his performances and his body language and you know he just doesn't look doesn't look like he enjoys that role which is weird considering you do, for me Steve, I'll be very brief and then you can chime in. But for me, Mendy playing out on the left has kind of given Guardiola a reason to stick Sane on the bench and Sterling playing on the left and performing well from the left and scoring goals is going to make it even harder for Leroy to get into the team. For me, games like last night are when he needs to step on the pitch and go, I'm going to run this game. I'm going to show Pep Guardiola that I'm the best wide forward that he's got. And he yeah. just didn't do that. I didn't even get it's close It's about to
1: being me. driven, as you said. Sterling yeah. is clearly driven. Uh, and his feet and where Sane gets in the game, where is what his legacy will be, is entirely down to him and how driven he is to make it. You know, to to make a, a glittering CV for himself. I mean, I'm sure I mean, he'll win tons of trophies, but his true legacy
2: is really down to him now. Absolutely,
0: Steve. What about for you?
2: Complete. Uh, sorry, I agree with absolutely every word spoken. Um, completely with you guys, 100%. The only thing, well, there's two tiny little things I'll, I'll throw in. First, a teeny, teeny thing because it was only it doesn't concern Sarnia or City, but Foster Mensa continues to impress, and it's baffling why United kind of sent him out on loan, given you know their kind of uh, problems in the fullback positions. Um, it, yet again, saw him last night. Good player. He's going to become a great player. Um, so yeah, there's that. But going back to Sane, um, I completely agree with you 100. percent I will just add a teeny thing of he's cool and he's a winger. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of it, it's a problem for Pep and it's a problem for City. But for us as fans watching it and watch, you know, bearing in mind the extraordinary football we're playing and how we're just absolutely dominating every opponent. I don't mind having a cool winger in there as
0: well. <laughs> it's
2: you know, and I'm not even being kind of I know, you know what I'm, you mean. Yeah, but
0: I completely agree with Effin said. I, I know what you mean. I mean there is that sort of, you know players of that you do need a level of arrogance to reach, you know, to get to Ronaldo Messi levels, you gotta think that you're the absolute dog's bollocks and and yeah. with that comes particularly at a young age, um, maybe a little bit of a different kind of mentality and not necessarily one that is always going to be as driven as, as maybe somebody like Sterling who isn't as technically gifted as Leroy. Um, and that's maybe something that, that Leroy knows. Um, okay. I, I can't put this off any longer. Let's talk about Brian Diaz and and his two (laughs) goals and his man of the match performance. Um, yeah, I mean, I tweeted last night. The, the goals, in a way, show why he's so highly rated because they're really opportunistic. But at the same time, they show a technical ability and a composure that, you know, I've seen Sane, Sterling, Bernardo Silva, Aguero and Jesus blaze, particularly the second goal, blaze those chances overall wide. Because it's quick when the when when it falls to you, it's quick. You gotta you gotta bury it, and it's you know he showed the type of uh, killer instinct that Mares kind of has come in and has shown, and maybe yeah, I mean I just I think he struggled out wide, but I think that both the 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 wide forward struggled a little bit because of how well Fulham did at closing them down. I got asked on Twitter whether that performance was the kind of performance that he needs to... I'd said in the pod yesterday that he needs to take opportunities and and outshine the senior forward to show that he deserves a place in that team. Whether or not last night was that performance, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think the goals were brilliant. Um, would, I, would I go he had a better game than Leroy? Again, like statistically... It's hard to split them because Leroy did all of those statistically great things, but had a really bad attitude. Diaz had the right attitude and got the two goals, but maybe wasn't as impactful outside of the goals. Um, And now I'll stop rambling and let somebody else speak. Howard, do you want to tell me how you thought Diaz did and how much of a chump I look? Yeah, I'll be... Absolute,
1: yeah, killjoy, and say the first goal, the first shot wasn't going in until it deflected. <laughs> in my, I opinion.
0: thought that I got. Oh, that's harsh! So many that.
2: people disagreed with me on Twitter <laughs> about that. I'm sure I saw that. If you don't shoot, though, you don't score. So I'm not bothered, I'm to be honest. Thank you, Howard. I was genuinely going to go to Specsavers today. Everyone <laughs> got in touch with me saying, what are you talking about? Of course it's on target. It was, like, it was coming wide, wasn't it? I think it was. No, it was heading for the, the outside of the post for me. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, i got death threats now.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what can you say? Yeah. What can you say? Uh, his first—I mean, just how made up he was afterwards. How proud he was to get his first goals for the club. Let's hope, yeah, you know, that by playing him, and getting them, he signs a new contract. See, that's why you pick him Mason. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I thought he had a good, a good game. I don't think the goals really tell us anything. He's, again, he's a young player who's obviously got bags of skill. We knew that anyway. Uh, I'll be honest, Foden impressed me more, but so pleased for him to get the two goals uh, just obviously just what it meant to him uh, I think he was just absolutely beaming about it and yeah his attitude was spot on he, yeah it, not everything went perfect for him or other players so but I thought he had, exactly. a, he had a good performance overall so yeah it was really and I just you know, I wanted to see him I wanted to go to the ground and see him play and that just capped it off to see him get the two goals as you say that second goal in a way, it's pretty simple, but it takes a bit. It takes composure. Uh, I think it, it had that. Way. It was that one second, hesi- not hesitation. That one second to assess, move ball, shoot, rather than just swing at the ball and hope it goes exactly. in. And for exactly. a young player, that's yeah, that says a lot about uh, his skill set. So yeah, Absolutely. i was pleased for him. But yeah, you know, as I say, I thought without the goals, I thought Ferroden as well. I know we're not talking about him, was just ultra impressive as well. He's just Pure class, so.
0: We'll talk about Phil in a second. Sorry. But, Steve, were you impressed with Brahim's attitude considering the contractual situation, just in the sense that, you know, if he is, it sounds like on some level he's unhappy with the game time he's been given, right? And his contract expires at the end of the season and he's talking to Real Madrid. Become very obvious. Um, Would have been pretty easy for him to turn up last night and kind of do a Leroy in terms of going, well, this is the Carabao Cup and I'm, you know... Yeah, I want to play in the Premier League and I'm good enough to play in the Premier League. Why am I here? You, you, you see the point I'm making.
2: Yeah, no I I do, but I'd go I'd lean towards the opposite slant of cause I expected him to put in a really hungry performance last night. Yeah. I expected him to want to kind of prove, you know, doubt was wrong. Um he's been getting a bit of flack and you know he he wants to kind of silence that. Um so I get all that and I wasn't remotely surprised at at the performance he put in. Uh I thought it was a good performance from him and it was a great night for him, and because it's a great night, sometimes it's easy to elevate, you know, the performance in hindsight. And I don't think any any of the three of us have done that here, um, because you know we're not getting carried away. There's still things to be ironed out in this game. Um, I'd still like to see him, you know, not at this stage, of course, because of how little game time he gets in his age. But in time, I want to see him more impactful and more consistent, um, and that will come. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, it was great to see. Uh, you know, as Howard said, it was it was fantastic to see a young lad say afterwards that he's always dreamed and always wondered what it was like to hear his name sung after scoring a goal for Manchester City and now he knows what it's like. That's schoolboy stuff, you know. That's, that's, it, it happens so rarely these days as well for that to happen. So um, yeah, that was wonderful.
0: It's kind of weird how sometimes, you know, I'll say things and then the club, the players will make me look a mug. And rather than being embarrassed, <laughs> I'll be like really almost like, yeah, that's amazing that is. And when I saw that, I was just like, yes, yeah, and you deserve all of that, mate, for everything that you said on yesterday's podcast. <laughs> um, okay. I want to talk about Phil Foden. I think that he's better than Ilkay Gundogan. And I think that he should be ahead of him in the pecking order. And Phil Foden is just a ridiculously obscenely talented football <laughs> we the fact that he's from Stockport absolutely blows my mind he's just yeah I, I I'm not it's he uh, it's too good it sh- shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to be that good at that age. I'm I'm not, I don't think I'm overhyping him, overblowing it at all. I think the, the, the quality that he shows, the skill that he shows, the maturity that he shows everything in his game. It's all there. He's ready to play. Argue with me. Tell me I'm overblowing it, Steve. Tell me that it's too no. early and he needs another year. And, you know, we'd need to be patient and he's only 18 and give it time and all the rest of it.
2: No, no, I, I I'm completely with you. I, I, Obviously, you don't want to see him start in every game, but of course, with the talent he's got ahead of him, that's not going to be the case anyway. You don't want to kind of, um, you know, we saw like with with Rooney, for example. um, I remember like Moyes being quite sensible with Rooney in in that first kind of season of his breakthrough year. Um, But even then, even then, the amount of games that, you know, Rooney played throughout the course of his career led to what we ultimately saw, which was, you know, a burnt out 31 year old footballer. So, of course, you don't want to see an 18-year-old, no matter how talented they are, start every game. But like I say, that's not going to happen at City. So, that's not a problem. What I do want to see is him being promoted now. Him being right there, right part of it. um, Succeeding at Gundogan, as you say. Because he is phenomenal. What is most phenomenal about him is I have never in my lifetime seen a young player so accomplished. I've seen players as talented... And we all have. We've all seen the kind of gas goings come through you know, at the age of kind of 17, 18, or Rooney and just kind of blow you away. I've never, ever in my lifetime seen a player that young, so accomplished. He's, he's like, he has the class of a 30 year old world class footballer. Bang
0: on. Absolutely bang
2: on. It's, just, it's all in his head and it's all so smooth and it's all so easy and it's like, like the way he reads a game and dictates a game. He's 18 years old and he's dictating football games. It's unbelievable. There it was a moment last night where he, he uh, put Diaz through. It's in their first half. Uh, and I watched it back after because, um, well, I was just watching kind of highlights of the game back after. And what I didn't realise at the time is, in order for that to happen, because I can't remember who it was, I think it was Sane, was in a, in a better position for about two seconds. You know, you're thinking, okay, feed it through to Sane. He chose not to take that option. He knew what he wanted to do. He wanted Diaz to come in. And what I didn't notice is the touch he made because he kind of went square on instead of moving forward. He went square on, and he did so to create enough space for Diaz to go in. You know, running behind. And what he was essentially doing with that touch is, oh. go on, you go there, yeah. Second he, half. Telling, it was the second except, half. Oh, was it? Yeah,
1: and I remember it as well. Going, oh, it's just what it's just run sideways. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> just he's, run he's, sideways he's, so that Sane can overlap his the defense. That uh, Diaz can overlap. Diaz, yeah, yeah. I, I had exactly the same thought. I'm pretty sure it was the second half. And it was just like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, the, just right. the idea <laughs> to suddenly do that to change direction so that he
0: can. To get the angle to put him through, yeah. But also yeah, the pass itself as well. Like, the, oh. that's not, it's just not easy to do. I mean, you're talking about an 18-year-old kid running, yeah, and then having the, like, these are actions. I completely agree with you. These are actions that when David Silva does them and Kevin De Bruyne does them or Mesut Ozil does them or, you know, guys at that level with that experience do those things and commentators go, that's why he's a world-class footballer yeah,
1: because he does definitely. that. And, and that's just that is just vision, to suddenly change the angles on the
2: pitch like that whilst running with the ball, it's just, yeah. You There's two types of creating in football, there's the obvious types of creating, the creating chances and all the rest of it, but there's also the David Silver type of creating, where you are creating that picture, you're painting the whole picture in front Bingo. of you, and that's Bingo. what he does, Phil Foden. At least 18! Oh, he's got a huge future at Bruce oh. Dortmund,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very 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 nice. Okay, listen, um time is a ticking away. Uh I wanna give a quick shout out to Danilo and, and yeah. Delph, uh Definitely. and Zinchenko yeah. and Murich. I think all four of them, uh for different reasons, showed just excellence, uh and the kind of excellence that you can only get from being coached by Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. over a over a period of time. Um <clears throat> Man of the match, very quickly, Howard. Who was your man of the match? Well, I've got forgetting two goals. I know I, this is
1: the co-commentator method of giving a. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yeah. <you> know, <laughs> this is what co-commentator does. Oh, I saw him do something good two minutes ago, so that'll do. But no, forgetting two debut goals, I've got to give it to Diaz. Though, I should say, yeah, we've barely discussed him. Danilo, I thought it was superb. Yep.
2: What Diaz deserves it for for his.
1: Two debut goals.
2: Steve. I thought there was probably about five or six better performances on the pitch than than this lad, but I want to give it to Fabian Delph. Um I love the fact that he comes in and it just looks like he's never been away and he is potentially an answer to a problem for us as regards to kind of that position and our over reliance on Fernandinho. And I love the lad to bits. I love just everything about him. Um basics. Uh, Oh so yeah, fucking Delph.
0: All about the basics, and also he gave uh, <laughs> he gave he gave Leroy a proper bollocking in the first half. I don't know what Did it was, he? Proper, but yeah, yeah. So I'm so I'm turned to Leroy and give him an absolute bollocking for something, which uh, just was nice to see. Um, yeah, I mean you got to give it to Diaz for his two goals, but if I was going to give it to him personally, I give it to De Bruyne, who looked like he was more or less back to his best. And now let's talk about the one thing that we don't want to talk about.
1: <gasps>
0: that injury looked. Like one of those, like Pep said in his press conference afterwards, that's either really bad or nothing. And we just need to pray now. Um, Anybody think it was... Anybody think that De Bruyne shouldn't have been on that pitch at that point in that game?
2: (sighs) There's, There's an argument with the caveat of at that time, you know, kind of late on, possibly... Um, but he was a definite starter for me, certainly, and you mm. want him to get a good seventy minute under his belt. So, no, I, I'm leaning towards a no there.
0: Okay, I don't know um, what
2: that time tells us. To be honest, that he's
1: more likely to get injured late on in a match. I don't well, know. you are.
0: Aren't I think. You? But I, think I,
1: mean,
0: I think when you're coming back from injury. Yeah, um, the the perceived wisdom. But the injury dead. was a collision, though, wasn't it? So, That's the thing, yeah. yeah. And it was his absolutely. other knee,
1: thankfully. Though, you know, might, the news might still be bad, but it's not the knee he's just been out with, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, 12 okay. crosses, by the way, seven tackles, four key passes, four shots, and three take-ons. Yeah, 91% pass accuracy, 100 touches, so it was good to have him back. Let's just hope it's... Oh, God,
2: God, yeah. Nothing serious. Yeah. I think that
0: yeah. was... Yeah, I think that was part of why we were as good as we were last night, and why we controlled the game in the way that we did. Because De Bruyne really was back to, for me, back to his best. And he, he, the thing that Kev does, which I don't know if any of the other number eights do quite as well as him, is he just goes and gets involved in the game. He just, if he feels that a certain that something's not quite coming off, so you know, even though he's playing nominally from the right hand side. Um, he drifted over to the left, he could see that Leroy was struggling a bit, he could, you know, it just he went over there and he, he, he wanted to create from that side as well and he just, he shows that intelligence to move around the pitch and control the game and pick out like areas where maybe his teammates need a bit of help and just kind of drifting over there and doing that, so uh, yeah I mean, he does a lot of unsung stuff, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, uh, as well as the as well as
2: the flashy stuff on his injury as well i'll just say that oh my god i hope i'm right the, the manner in which he was walking around straight afterwards and it, it suggests a, a muscle problem so i was really surprised when it came out that it was his knee um i, I thought it might well be a thigh muscle problem because you know it was fossil wasn't it yeah um basically landed on on his thigh rather than his knee so um when he was walking around, I wasn't overly concerned. It was only later that I was concerned when it transpires that it's his knee because you just don't know when it comes to knees, obviously. Um, But the the manner in which he walked around afterwards, um, I don't know. I just hope to God I'm right, it didn't seem to be that serious.
1: Okay,
0: fair enough. I've just got my hands together, man. I just, you don't know and you never know. And it's, yeah, that's the thing with that bottom line what we're talking about here is some type of cru- some type of cruciate ligament injury it that's that's the only way that it could be either nothing or something really bad do you know what yeah. i mean so let's just hope that it's uh it's nothing um okay i think that more or less covers the uh the the carabao cup win over fulham from last night unless you two have got anything you want to add no nope. excellent nope. all right um Pushing forward to a weekend of the Premier League, before we talk very briefly about City versus Southampton on Sunday, um, pretty big game tomorrow. Arsenal, uh, Liverpool travel to Arsenal. Um, just brief thoughts from from both of you on on kind of how how you think this game plays out and who it's more important for and why. Um, Steve, I'll start with you
2: i'm really looking forward to it this game is fiction historically and by historically i mean kind of since 2000 kind of thing um loads of goals in it loads of late goals weirdly um more late goals almost double than the kind of average so that's something well worth looking out for um and loads of red cards weirdly just an average number of yellow cards but loads of red cards (laughs) so we've just got a lot of drama ahead um as regards to who it's more important to, it's that's impossible to say. To be honest, I think equally so because obviously Liverpool are in a title race, um, whereas Arsenal, even though you know they've been very impressive and they've really got their act together and um, you know they're stringing together this kind of record-breaking kind of run of wins, realistically. Possibly even Arsenal fans know that they're looking at top four this season in his first, you know, Henry's first season there. Um, and so, that, you know, a, a win against Liverpool will go a huge way towards that. So equally as important. For me personally, I'm just going to try and not, because it's in my best interest as a City fan to Liverpool t- to lose. Um, but I'm going to try not to let that impact upon... My enjoyment of the game, and just sit back and try and watch it as a neutral because something always happens when Arsenal play Liverpool. Mm, it's a very, very, very
0: fair shout, um, Howard. Do you think that it's? Do you think that this a game like this is actually money time for um, for Kloppo and and this you know incredible Liverpool team that has been given so much hype because ultimately if you want to beat City to this title, you have to go to Arsenal and win. No. <laughs> uh, a, you know, I do. I, I love how much you disagree with me, mate.
1: Well, <laughs> you know I hate this must-win turn. I know, I know. And there's no must-win games in the first half of a season, ever. And I can't, I can't state that enough. What Klopp has to do is ensure his Liverpool team has more points than everyone else at the end of the season. That's... How you win a title. But, having said that, yes. I think it's been... (laughs) (laughs) I am going to slightly agree with you, uh, actually. (laughs) I'm not just trying to antagonise you. It's... I think the top six, it's been shown are taking huge percentage of points off, say, bottom half teams now. And it could be crucial. The mini-league between the top four or five. So, yes, I do. There is a there's definitely kernels of truth in what you say that they have to they have to have a, a good come the end of the season they have to have quite a lot of points against their competitors because City have already got seven from three in that mini league and they were all away from home so there's a good chance and yeah you where know, we're not gonna probably not gonna drop many points against the other teams so yeah there is very little leeway for dropping points but I can't say it's a must win. A draw would not obviously derail their their title challenge, and it would be seen as acceptable for what is quite a tough game. But yeah, it's going to be a fascinating game, as Steve says. We may learn quite a lot about both teams. You know, our Arsenal are Arsenal overperforming, and it's just a blip. And yeah, how if Liverpool win this, obviously they'll be, their belief will be higher than ever, which. It's something to
2: send a shudder down your spine.
0: <laughs> well, I I'm have gonna... to say,
2: actually, I, I, I'm now kind of leaning towards it being more important for Liverpool because um, I was just thinking, and um, Howard was, um, you know, saying about City and kind of seven points, etc. You can't expect realistically; City aren't going to lose more than two or three games this season, um, and so yeah, Liverpool can't afford to kind of you know, lose games um, if, if we want to kind of keep in touch. So. Yeah, I think it's more important for Liverpool this weekend than Arsenal.
0: Mm, I'm going to boldly predict that Liverpool will absolutely slap Arsenal. Yeah? Yeah, I just think that Arsenal defensively have got away with a hell of a lot. I mean, they've been playing Granit Xhaka on the left side of a back Mm. three. I mean, Xhaka versus Salah. It's kind of like Salah versus Kolarov or something like that, where you're just like... In fact, it's even Mm. worse than Salah versus Kolarov. It's just something that, yeah, I, I think... I think it. I I think it will be a high-scoring game, um, but I think Liverpool will comfortably win it. And now the footballing gods need to once again make me look a chump. So um, put
1: your mortgage on. Shaka getting a yellow card. Oh god,
0: yeah. You probably won't even get odds on it to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. Turning our attention to Sunday, um, Mark Hughes returns to the Etihad and he brings his Southampton side. Um, just briefly, anybody from the. Bearing in mind that we've got we've got Southampton and we've got Shakhtar before the 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 United derby. Anybody from the Fulham game that you're kind of looking at, and then looking at the number of games that other players have played, and going, mm, he deserves to start again. Steve, start with you. Uh, Foden. Okay, it's, it's that that's simple for me.
2: I I really do want to see him now, not just kind of on the periphery, but kind of. Um you know, taking a lot of the weight off, off David. Um, obviously, if there's no comparison because there's no comparison with anyone in the world with David Silver. But when you do bring in Foden, I think it's clear now. And I think we were, we've always known this, but now we're at that stage where we can all accept this, that when you do bring in Foden, you don't, you don't lose anything. You're going to get an exceptional player who's going to kind of influence the performance um, to a, to a certain standard. So yeah, I'd like to see Foden involved because um, these two games now before United, it's it's a really weird one. I mean, I, I'm dreading you asking me to do any kind of lineup prediction for Southampton because I really don't know where where I feel how I feel about it. You got two really important games coming up, you know, Shakhtar um, United. This game is very winnable uh, against a poor Southampton team who's struggling. They can't score to save their lives. Um, so do you go into the Southampton game with a somewhat weakened eleven, given that you've just come out of a, a game where you've played your shadow team or do you go strong I, I don't know What? how do you two feel
1: well I mean um, just look at last season where you know, we needed that last minute winner from Sterling true yeah yeah and it's yeah. like yeah Willie we always talk about complacency and we assume that we'll just roll over this team whoever we put out but I don't the problem is yeah uh, how he has got it's got a, a Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday games, and it's just all three of them. Well, the second two are big games. You no know, two ways about it. Shakhtar is important. Uh, yeah, derby is obviously important, and it's how he juggles
2: these players now. Uh, I think because if Southampton of... was in the middle, then that would be a different matter. If yeah. it was Shakhtar, Southampton United, no question, go a touch week. Sort of, sort of
1: players he rested against Fulham, so the, St- uh, the Silvers, sorry, Aguero, because they've had. So they played Monday. They'll have had by the time they play Southampton. If they played, they'll have had six days off. So they're mm. they're fine to do the Monday Wednesday, but it's just if you then think you've got the rest for them to do the Sunday as well because they're mm. key players. So yeah, I wouldn't surprise if Silver sits out one of them, perhaps Sunday. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, then you've got someone like Otamendi who's not featured, you know, against Fulham who's yeah. come in. And, you know, Danilo, someone like Danilo could, in theory, have been an easy pick for Sunday. But as he's, I think that might have been his first game of the season, I doubt he's got it in him to, to play again so soon. So.
0: I think the one for me is uh, Jesus. I'd be tempted to start him against Southampton again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be tempted to give Aguero that time off. And almost kind of with one eye on the fact that you kind of want Aguero to play in Shakhtar because you want to absolutely win that game to, to just get through with that group, win the group, take control of the group, all that sort of stuff. And you want him flying into the United game. So I'd kind of look at Aguero for those two games. And I'd also be kind of looking at Jesus' performance on Thursday and feeling like, you know, it was a step up. There was something, you know, there was a vibrancy to it that we haven't seen in a while and you know like pep said last season when he talked about Jesus just not, never being tired because he's so young let him play again on sunday against southampton yeah Plus, I agree with that he scored that big goal uh well the, the last kick of the season last season against southampton and i don't know like i just got something in something in my in my waters that's saying jesus should uh, should start again on uh, on sunday and you're right about um Danilo and Zinchenko, both of them are players who, if they've got it in their legs, I'd give them, I'd give at least one of them the opportunity against Southampton as well. Again, with one eye on um, Shakhtar and United. Hey, just a quick question for both of you. Do you think that performances like the Fulham performance are putting us more in a position where rotation just isn't an issue? because we're seeing that even if you change 10 players let alone one or two you're getting levels from those players
2: yeah like i said at the start it, it, it's a huge it's it's massive what we we're, we're, what we're seeing now and what we saw illustrated last night against Fulham is there is a template laid down and going forward for like seven months of the next seven months of the season with all the games that we've got it's huge. It, it can't be understated because um, then, like, as you as you said, basically rotation becomes less of an issue. It becomes less of a talking point, whereas uh, other clubs are direct rivals. That is a talking point. That is a concern. You, you speak to a Liverpool fan, any drop-off of their first team, and they're genuinely worried, really worried. You know, if you're talking about um, and you are talking about decent players like Lalana, for example, or you know Storage or kind of Henderson with with some Reds, so um, we don't have that. If we go to a game and we see kind of you know Delft starting now, or we see kind of Danilo starting, or what, what have you, or Otamendi, we don't get that, mm-hmm. and that's, that's it's that's, you know the reason why we don't get that is huge.
0: Yeah, Howard, I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you the the final word on uh, on Sunday's uh, potential. Well, potential Sunday's definite game against uh, against Southampton. Um, pick me, what your starting eleven will be. Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're not going to do three of them. We're going to do one, and you're going to pick the eleven that you think should should play against Southampton. Should play or predict. Is this should
1: As if I was manager, or what I think he will
0: play. No, what if you were manager? What what was the t- what's the eleven that you'd pick? Yeah, well, there's, there's a bit of Wednesday in, uh, yeah, in yeah mind here.
1: Uh, right well Edison in goal Walker Mendy still because I think we need to get the Spurs game out of the system uh, in the middle God. I know he's he's going to play Laporte so I'd play Otamendi. Stones has played the last two so I'd give him a day off and I'm not against this is where and it won't happen I'd be happy with Delph in you know replacing Fernandinho for a game yeah see me I can't see it happening er uh, I'd drop I'd give i say drop I'd rest David Silva perhaps but De Bruyne's out now so scrap that The two silvers I play Jesus up front I agree how many have got left so Delphine defensive midfield two silvers Jesus Sterling 3456789 <laughs> Uh, Stuart Pearce I know yeah <laughs> it's my my team of the week that's uh, one defender
2: <laughs> two midfielders,
1: <refilled laughs> and eight attackers and no goalkeeper <laughs> like Garth Cook's team of the week or something uh, he's not going to play Foden I'm sorry but I agree I'd be quite happy to see him come in because I don't see you get a drop off but Delph or Gundogan by the way if he is fitting you know, to replace Fernandinho uh, Sterling Sane again Jesus up front have
0: I done enough players there that's yes it. you have done enough yeah. players there Howard um, Steve go on then give me a team same same <laughs> okay
2: well, well pretty no, much we're not, not I, know I, I agree with sorry mate but I, I agree with um, all of that um, particularly I would love to see Delft start again in yeah. that's my big
0: thing yeah Yeah, I like that I, I like the Delft show. I think I, I'd like to see um Depending on, uh, I don't think you can play both of the fullbacks from the uh, from the League Cup game. So personally, I'd like to see Danilo, Otamendi, Laporte, and Mendy as the back four, Ederson in there. Obviously, Delf, um, David Silva, and Phil Foden, and then Sterling, Mares, and Jesus. I think Leroy's attitude last night means. He's got to sit on the bench. Yeah,
1: is over Sane is a fair shout. I think. Yeah, that would be. And he is becoming a be, regular too. pick now.
0: So, anyway. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he looks, you know, he, he looks like he's in tune with the team. Uh, it's taken him a little bit of time, but he looks like he's absolutely there now. Um, right. OK, gentlemen, that was an absolutely epic, epic Friday show. Howard, thank you very much. A pleasure as always. Steve, thank you very much. Pleasure, mate. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. As I said, this was the Friday show on the 9320 podcast. We will be back on Monday with a review of the Southampton game and then plenty more podcasts next week. In the meantime, be safe, be well, and as always, up the blues.